0: Welcome to Light Beer, Dark Money. That's our podcast. This is Chris Clements. I'm Sean Noble. And uh, our expectation for this podcast is to talk about faith, freedom, and free enterprise. Uh, our tag is Agree on Something. Agree on Something. Well, whatever that something might be. Um, I don't know, Chris, what, what expectations do you have?
1: Well, i'm just really happy to be here with you we've talked about this for a while and and both been involved in both the business and political community for a long time and and we just want to raise the discussion level i think we have uh you know body politic right now both in business and 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 politics and just in our country where people um can't just agree to disagree can't just be respectful and we we came to a um we came up through a time where that was expected yeah that in, in politics and business you you respected the other side they were not your enemy they were simply an opponent and and we want to elevate that discussion and uh really pleased to be doing this with you and yeah
0: this is awesome i I've, I've aspired to do something like this for quite a while so
1: and when why you, the title? Well, the title <laughs> of light beer and dark money comes from, you know, things that we've done in our past. Uh, I used to be the CEO of a very large beer company here in Arizona called Golden Eagle Distributors. And we sold a lot of light beer. Um, <laughs> that is not something I'm engaged in anymore. <laughs> right,
0: And uh, I have been called the king or the prince of dark money by and in not in a nice way. So <laughs> but I embrace it. I I I am a believer in the First Amendment and the freedom of speech. And I think that uh, you know, the Supreme Court ruled correctly when they ruled it under Citizens United that people could speak anonymously. I mean that's the Federalist papers were anonymous. Uh it's we our founding doc well, our founding document was defended by dark money. Um, so I used to chafe at it, but I'm fine with it, and I'm and I still engage in it a little bit. Not like you getting out of the light beer, but <laughs>
1: well, well, what's really interesting about that sort of thing is that you know instantly wherever I'm at, people still want to talk about the beer industry. They still want to talk about what's going on. They still want to talk about my time in in the industry and what what it's become. And so you never really escape those things. And what's really the other interesting thing is people have very firm opinions about those two things <laughs> yes they about do. light beer and dark, <laughs> and dark money. money that's right whether they like it or not yeah. and and so we want to get into those discussions on a broader context in the, in terms of faith freedom and free enterprise and and how important those those themes those principles are to our country to our community and to the, the broader broader globe
0: yeah and today we are joined by Robert Vera who is the executive director, is that the right title, of Canyon Ventures. That's the the entrepreneurial center at Grand Canyon University. It's where we are uh, recording this podcast. They've graciously allowed us to to be hosted here. And uh, I think you'd agree, Chris, this was a broad-ranging discussion, and Robert is a phenomenal, dynamic guy. He's a great American.
1: It'll be there's if there's a definition of the great American who is giving back in in dramatic ways uh to his nation and his community, it's Robert Bear.
0: Yeah. So it'll be a great episode. Yeah,
2: but um do you want to start the podcast now? <laughs> we're going. Okay. I think we're
1: rolling with Robert Barrett, who's the executive director of uh, what well, was the innovation center here at Grand Canyon University and now the and, and now Canyon Ventures. And Robert has led um, vaccination effort here at Canyon Ventures.
2: Yeah, it's been a team effort. And um, one of the things before we got the vaccine here, one of the things that um, I was really trying to figure out, <clears throat> and um, I think I may have mentioned to you that we, um, uh, like I started thinking about COVID, like, okay, what is the biggest problem we have with COVID? And it wasn't necessarily, and to my mind, it wasn't necessarily the virus. It's like we couldn't protect ourselves from the virus, right? That was the biggest thing. Because like get, people get the flu, but we can protect ourselves from the flu. So I started thinking about, okay, is this really a, um, are we really dealing with an epidemiology or um, problem, um, or is it a supply chain problem? And it occurred to me that it was a supply chain problem because we just, here's the weird thing we get this virus from China, right? And now we're waiting for the N95 mask to come off the boat from China, from China. so we could pick, you know what right. I mean? I'm like, wait, this, like this. So um, a couple of months ago, um, maybe like four months ago now, I started like thinking through this and, and trying to figure out, okay, w- what do we need to do better? Because you can't ask like the governor. He's, you know, like what do, as, if it is a supply chain issue, what does the government have to do with that? You know what I mean? So we so we signed on here at Canyon Ventures to this um, COVID consortium of businesses. It was about twelve or fourteen businesses, and we're, we're um, connected with um, a law firm in town and another consultant in town that we we put together these group this group of businesses that are um, testing, treatment, and support businesses. So the idea was, okay, um, I think we have a supply chain problem here. And I think the reason why we're not able, the reason why it's spreading the way it is, it may be behavioral, people just not following like the behavioral, but it also may be that from a healthcare perspective, we don't have the right tracking or tracing. We don't have the right um, N95 mask. We can't get access to them. We don't have the right materials in place at the right time to prevent the spread in our community. So we put together this group and I'll tell you a couple of the weird things that came out of it and it was such, for me it was really enlightening is that we we're, we're headquartered here right this group of companies all of them are based in Arizona what we found is we've got a a company that does masks and you know why it says N95 on the mask you know why mm. cuz it prevents 95% of the virus from coming in right so that's I had no idea what an N95 mask was I thought it was like a brand right the so I was like, okay, if that's true, like, can we do anything better than that? We actually have a Yuma. and Yuma, we have a mask manufacturer there. And it's a three-ply mask. And in the middle, they put collodial silver, which denatures the virus. So I'm like, okay, did we just beat China? <laughs> like, so... Um, the experts like, um, that are in the group, they said, yeah, it's, it's N99.999 because what happens is that middle layer of the mask actually denatures the virus. So it wow. kills the virus, right? So we have this here. Cause, and the reason why I bring this up is because um, I think these are the things that, that we as the business community should be doing and not going to government to say, what are you guys doing? Um, a couple of other things that one of the University of Arizona, they've been working with coronaviruses for like 30 years. So this is not a new thing for them. They actually, they call it effluent epidemiology. They actually test the poo and the, the the effluent coming out of their dorms. And with pretty decent accuracy, they can tell you how many people have COVID in that dorm. Like, why, why can't we just have, like, right. if they can do it there, like, why can't we just... You know, we can figure it out, pinpoint where it's coming from. So those are the things that have come out of it. But I think at this point where we'll, we'll eventually have a website, we'll have all the, um, you know, members available there. So when there is an issue, we can actually identify who's got product, who needs it, and then we've got logistics in place to actually um, distribute that. That to me is like one of the things that we need to do as businesses And as a consequence, now our organization has currency. So we've gotten calls from Cinema's office, Senator Kelly's office wants to call, ask about what we're doing. So that's been important for us to sort of, I don't know if we've taken the lead on it, but I think we've helped to organize like um, the network. And it's more, well, there's, there's a couple of companies that make hand sanitizers in there, right? You know, they were like, well, you know, this company makes hand sanitizer and we make hand sanitizer. I'm like, same team. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, <laughs> easy guys. Like, We're all going to get along here, right? But the, the point is, is, I think that that's the way you, you build a lobby, right? We now have um, an egalitarian group of, of companies based here in the state um, that can provide resources for the citizens and the, um, the first responders. Now, as a consequence of that, we have um, government-elect officials calling us, asking us, what can we do? And I think that's, that's important for us to, to um, continue to do on, on fronts, at least here in Arizona, where it makes, like, we should have these industries here. How do we bring them together? And how do we give them value?
0: Right. Well, and I think that, I mean, you look at where the successes have been in the last year, it's, it's when the business community, free markets get involved. Um, I mean, vaccine comes to market in absolute record time I mean obviously we have still have questions about you know right. the efficacy <laughs> of all that but uh, you know I think that you know being able to turn on a dime and start producing ventilators and other mm-hmm. PPE uh, has been you know a testament to uh, the free market and uh, and what business the business community can do when it when it needs to yeah Yeah. what i mean so the your consortium is a i think a great launching point for you to tell us a little bit more about what canyon ventures is and and why it would be interesting for our listeners
2: yeah i know i was thinking about it's like our conversation today i was thinking about it over the last couple of days and um before I get into sort of what it is, I just want to tell you, like, I think that I personally think that higher ed is broken, and I think there's been a monopoly on higher education, and now COVID has sort of like called that out, right? Oh, no question. Because I know people that like their kids, like going to school, they're paying fifty thousand, not the GCs fifty thousand dollars, right? But <laughs> like they're paying fifty thousand dollars or more a year for the kids to go to college. When reality, their kids are in their parents' house in their bedroom, in their underwear, going to class online, right? right. right. like, what am I doing here, right? So I think the monopoly has been broken on, on higher ed. And I think there's some other pieces to that. But what GCU uh, has done here is that we brought together a business, startup businesses here. Many of them are in revenue. So they're generating revenue. They're based here in Arizona, with the idea that um, we'll, you come here to, to our 100,000 square foot building, we'll give you free rent, you know, no utilities. Well, basically your SGNA will take care of it for you. With the proviso is you you grow your company and you hire our GCU students. So every company here, from Lux Longboards Boards to and we've got some student startups to, you know, digitile to all these companies, they have to hire GCU students. And here's why I think GCU has done a good job in understanding what the needs are of, of um, the the college population. What GCU wants is they want students to come to GCU. You spend like a semester across in campus in the classroom, right? Then you come over here. And in your three or four years you're here, you're going to get professional experience and you're going to build a professional network. So, you know, you get paid, I don't know, anywhere from 12 15 an hour to, um, I think some kids make like 30 bucks an hour. Wow. Um, here, gaining professional experience. So when you leave here, you go out with, a competitive advantage an unfair advantage in the marketplace you either leave here with the with a job with a company that's here or you leave here with you know professional experience and a network that you can leverage to get a job here's why i think it's broken i i, I mean i i want, i have a political science degree you know what you can do with that absolutely nothing
0: <laughs> want fries with that
2: <laughs> <laughs> so liberal arts is kind of dead there might be three yeah. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, you know, that's I was we're here, right? smart
0: enough not to do political science. I did it as a minor, but um, I and I've told kids in the for the twenty five thirty years I've been in in this business, um, I think the political science degree is is one of the most useless degrees you can have. No offense. Yes, thank you. But you can learn more about political science doing you know volunteering on a campaign or interning for a congressman for you know six months. My my favorite story ever about political science and what I consider the just detachment from reality was I had a professor at ASU that, so I took time off school to run John Shattuck's first campaign mm-hmm. in 94, then went back to school, went to work for him in his congressional office cause he won. And I took a course cause I was getting my minor in political science called congress the congress that was the name of the course i was like this is gonna be so easy you know? i worked there i worked there <laughs> um so we one day the professor's lecturing about something going to the office for work i noticed in roll call that uh for those of you not listening roll call used to be the biggest mm-hmm. paper on the hill it was the only paper yeah. on the, you know dedicated to the hill for 50 years it was an institution um so I read something in Roll Call that we were talking about. I said, oh, that's cool. So I took it to the professor the next class, and he said, look, we were talking about this last week, and or last last class, and you know, th- this was in Roll Call. He literally, he looks at Roll Call, and he's like, is this a Republican n- newsletter or a no Democrat way. newsletter? I just, I no my way. mind was blown. He's teaching a course about the Congress, and he doesn't know what the Roll Call is. I mean, that was the place where people vetted... Ideas and policies and debates. Yep. And I mean, that's where you got your news. I mean, that was the Politico of yep. the, you know, 30, 40 years yeah, before Politico. Yeah. So um now you go into the congressional This is just of everything. Oh, it's everything. Yeah.
1: There's, there's roll call, there's the Hill, there's Politico, there's Washington, and whatever What? 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 You name it. Middle of the, long, middle of the road or slanted.
2: But but I think your your point is is that Elon Musk has said it. What's the kid on, uh, who started the wine company? You know the one that's on Instagram. Anyway, they're saying, look, I don't care if you have a high school degree. You know what I mean? Like th- this idea of a college degree now, with available information, with all it's it's now become like, hey, you really don't need that. You need experience. Um, so GCU is kind of they've been ahead of the game on that. Say, so, okay, you're right. We need to be able to. Take the information in the classroom and give it currency with real work experience here um, and a couple of things that that we we try to do here is that like we we get a lot of pitches from people that like they got great ideas um, we try to bring in companies that actually have customers so um, and the reason why is because you know I was an entrepreneur and you pitch to investors and you know you 've convinced them right but, but they don 't know <laughs> right. <laughs> It's, and, a, it's a bet. <laughs> and you convince your friends, families, of fools to invest in you. You know what I mean? Because they believe in you, right? But you really don't know until someone, a customer says, here's my money, you know? So the idea is that um, we try to find companies that are in revenue or close to it or have a customer willing to pay for it. Um, it may not be the sort of the right customer, but they have somebody, an evangelist willing to do that. That does two things for us. One, it gives us confidence that we're not subsidizing their failure, right? And it um, also um, justifies whatever valuation they said they have right now, right? So now you've actually got a customer willing to pay. Right. And they don't have to rely, especially now, on equity from um, you know, seed capital rounds, all those rounds, to hire our students. So all the companies we have here are in revenue and we have one organization that was set up. Um, when we first started, we were only about 16 months into this. When we first started, I said, okay, we need to do some training and um, talked to the entrepreneur in residents, which is Kevin Youngblood. I said, Kevin, you'll, let's do Revenue Generation Academy. Let's like, tell people like, how to get into revenue. So Kevin put together this great training program I went to. It was great. And uh, we brought the, the ventures in here. And I was like, that's great. I just don't have the time to sell anything. So I was like, oh, "This is a problem." You know? Yeah, <laughs> and um, so I'm like, "Okay, why don't we do this?" So I said, like, So about a month after that, after the first class, like, Kevin, can, do you think we can set up a revenue outsourced sales department? And he's like, "That's a good idea." And um, I was like, "Can you guys do it?" And he's like, "Yeah." So he hires some pros. They bring in um, an outsourced sales department, <clears throat> and um, so this is in the middle of COVID, like, and and what i'm asking to do i'm like hey we don't really have any products to sell we don't have any customers like but can you set up an organization to actually sell stuff you know and by the way not all my theories work out right Right.
0: (laughs) well you know
2: and um she's like yeah so kevin like amazingly he agrees like that's a good idea i'm like anyway he does and he brings in and he hire students and some pros and they start this um outside sales organization and it um they call it the revenue accelerator right so now they have 62 clients um from across the globe billion dollar companies and they'll do four million dollars this year no kidding Um, and that's that's but so it's july did i tell you this i probably haven't told you this right so it's july and they they their first well i've
1: been here throughout the growth of all of it you've seen seen it it, which has been unbelievable
2: um so they start their first outbound calls are May twenty eighth of two thousand twenty right in the middle of COVID in the summer you know, so it's so um, July fifteenth one of the kids Micah Vu who's a great kid just graduated from GCU his mom's the was a flight doc on Air Force One great kid um, great family he comes and he lives in his RV and. It's July 15th. It's like a buck 30 here. <laughs> it's like 130 degrees. He lives in his RV and he's like, Hey, can I park my RV out in front of Canyon Ventures, like in the parking lot? I'm like, Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, this is so weird. Like, what am I doing here? And um, so he's like, Oh, and then and this is on a Wednesday. And he's like, oh, and can you open up the, Can you open up at four in the morning on Friday? I'm like, sure. You know, I'll just meet you here at four. Let's do it. So it didn't, never occurs to me at that time to like ask him why he needs us. Why he needs to park here? And all. So later in the day, I go back and I said, you know, hey, Micah, what, why do you need to park here? And what? So like, oh, we have an opportunity from a large um, transportation company. Um, they're going to hire. They're going to give us a test. Us their internal sales team and two other companies. And what they want us to do is set up meetings for their sales team. Whoever sets up the most meetings gets a hundred thousand dollars a month contract to be their outsourced sales organization to fill the top of the funnel. So I'm like, Oh, that sounds worth it. Right. You know, you guys are new. Yeah. You got, you're making no money. This seems like, yeah, whatever. So, um, so I'm like, yeah, go ahead park out front there, whatever you need to do. Right. So, I get here it's 3:30 in the morning and their stuff is all out of the RV. Like it's like an Arkansas yard sale. <laughs> Ever see that where it's like crap everywhere? Like chairs, sleeping bags, like like you know, like all outside, like on the side of I'm like what is going? It looks like someone broke in. Yeah. So they're all outside. Um the AC works on a generator and their generator broke. Oh. Uh-huh so Gosh. they you know outside it's probably 120 inside it's probably 150 you know what right. i mean so they sleep outside of the no so i'm like this is a disaster like this is what did i sign on to here right like, we got this is um so i'm like you know what come on and let's go in here and just start the game let's just get this thing going so they come in coffee up you know and i just go to work right i'm like i can catch up on emails so like i'll just figure it all out so about noon I hear them talking, I, but I can't really hear anything. So about noon I come out and it's three o'clock now, East Coast time. And um, so they're getting to the end of this thing and they've been going at it since four. I mean, so I come out and I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, oh, the, the um, it's going great. And um, I'm like, well, well, how the other team's going is like, "They they've got, they set up seven meetings already and we're still going strong. I'm like, well, how many have you guys done? 32 oh wow so they literally that was their first customer they set up 32 clients that's their hundred thousand dollar a month customer at that point i knew like hey this theory may work right um and what i learned from that is that okay if these guys can do this they're high, they're they're literally just graduated from college like four years out of high school they're beating their own, the, the customer at their own game. They don't call it a script. They call it a screenplay. They're over there chanting. You know what I mean? This is weird. But I'm like, if those guys can do this with one day's notice there, this is going to work because what people don't want to do is they don't want to make cold calls and sell and they do, they want that. So it takes I was a
0: rare breed It. that's a special, it's a special person.
2: So my thought was okay every venture here can use it after the story and what i found out is they don't and here's why and this is one of the theories that didn't work out um is that the reason why they have like billion dollar companies in the cybersecurity area and other places and tech companies is because they know uniquely their product market fit they know if i spend a thousand dollars on a meeting i'm able to close 50 percent of these and my my average sale is, is ten thousand dollars So they'll trade, you know, $1,000 for $10,000 all day long, and they'll throw tons of money at this because they see the value in it. Startups don't necessarily have that confidence. They don't know their product market fit. They don't know their ideal customer. It's a little bit weird for them to spend that type of money when they may be climbing the wrong mountain. Yeah. So that's, um, but, but that's one of the, I think one of the things that makes this organization, this accelerator unique is having... An outsourced sales organization as part of us, so you could literally come here with an idea and be like, "I'll throw some money at this, see if you can sell it." So that's that is fantastic.
0: really important. That's that's very cool. Well,
1: That's tremendous, and I, it was really neat over the summer and when they first got started, and to see it all come come yeah. together to where when. When gcu started back up again they were they were just rolling
2: yeah so they've been um they've been an important part we've had we've had two companies that found us from other places across the globe one is zorosign which is a competitor to DocuSign. they actually moved here from dubai hmm. they they searched the world for a place um they went to new york we were introduced to them by the um, economic development community here in phoenix and um, i got a call from the the director of economic development and said hey would you be interested in meeting with a, a company They've gone to San Francisco. They've gone to, you know, up and down California. They've gone to the East Coast, New York. They really like Phoenix and they'd like to be part of a business community. Would you like to meet with them? So they brought them in. And, you know, these guys are from Dubai and um, they have a development team in Colombo, Sri Lanka, and all their headquarters is in Dubai. So I like, sure, bring them in. We'll talk to them. So they come in. I really like what they're doing. It's, 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 especially this is sort of pre COVID where, um And I thought it was, I think it's just weird now that like you you have to like sign something or yeah. like you know like right. someone asks you for your license you're like you you, you mean this piece of laminated yeah. plastic like right. like this is weird right you know and um so they do everything like your documents secured on the blockchain I really like it. I'm like you know what yeah you guys come on in here let's see if we can do this so they moved in hired I don't know twelve of our students wow. um and they're a competitor to to um. To docu sign and then, one of the things I was thinking about is that you know where would this be a good fit and there was a company that pitched in our Canyon Angels group was this we have a an angel investment group associated with Canyon Ventures here there was a company that pitched here called um, tap and I don't know if you bought a house or refinanced a mortgage recently but like they they literally send somebody out with a bunch of papers yeah I think it's the weirdest thing like someone shows up at your house with like can you put your ink mark on this piece of paper like uh, and I have know,
0: to witness it and then I'm going to notarize it. It's
2: just weeks. weird, right? Yeah. Like if we were 2021, like we got, you know, we got covid vaccines we don't even think work, right? Come <laughs> right. on, we got to be able to do this better, right? So, I'm like, you know, we need to hook up Zero Sign with EscrowTab and have Zero Signs um sign blockchain signature because one of the things that Zerosign Sign does that DocuSign doesn't do is that I know with Zorosign, they use a database to confirm that Sean is Sean, Chris is Chris, and Robert's Robert. So now, if we never meet each other, they can confirm signatories. I really like that because I do think we're going to have more remote transactions. Yeah. yeah. So EscrowTab is now going to become part of our community here with Zorosign, and Zorosign will be embedded into EscrowTab, which makes EscrowTab essentially a reseller of ZoroSigns um, solution, you know, across the platform of mm-hmm. real estate. So I really like them. The other company that moved in with us was, um, you know, we, we get very strange visitors all the time. So one time I get like a phone call from the consulate general of Hungary and his name is Attila, like <laughs> Attila the Hun and a great guy. And, uh, he's like, Hey, we were supposed to do a demo at like, I, I, I think sky song or something like that. And the schedule got messed up. We need a place. So what they do and this was their first version of it. Their, their minimum pro- viable product was, they actually translate American sign language into English and they're based in Hungary. And, um, so this device with cameras and you would sign into it wearing gloves and it would recognize the, the, the colors of the fingers of the glove and you'd be able to, um, to do that. So I was like, wow, that sounds cool. And uh, can I try it? And so they brought it over here. We set it up in a room like this. And I tried it. And I loved it. Because you can, literally, it tells you like an A. And you make an A. And it says an A. You can make a word. um, But you could translate. This device made you, uh, you know, a big camera device. Allowed you to translate American Sign Language into English. I'm like, let's bring that in here. So they were supposed to come here. And COVID broke out. And then nobody was coming in. So they ended up working remote with us, hiring students to actually set up um, their device in a a company here that's using it in Arizona. Went really well. They've moved their device onto a handheld platform like a pad or a phone. You can literally sign into your phone and it'll translate it. No kidding. So they've moved here from Budapest. um, And now they're, they're talking, they're, they're talking with some other language, um, translation and teaching programs that are online now. So they're talking with them about potentially partnering with them or even exiting with them. So those are the two that have found us in the last 16 months. We've like, someone found us from Dubai and someone found us from, from Hungary. That's That's amazing. Yeah. It's been cool to see that, you know, but to be here at GCU for me, I really like it. I really, it's weird here. Like I deal with kids, you know what I mean? Most of the time. And so it's a lot of mentoring. Um, and then companies there's a lot of mentoring and um you know it's just a lot of a lot of times you got to pick people up dust them off and put them back in the fight you know what i mean <laughs> right. like that type of stuff that's probably like 60 percent of my day like hey don't worry about it you know but you know it's been uh for the last 16 months it's been fun
1: that's great what What do you think is next for canon ventures like every it seems like every university is you're jumping on the innovation battle yeah. ASU, you know, as a as a large center now. The U of A is building one. Yeah. Um, they've had their tech center for a while, but now they're building something just south of the campus. So what do you think is next year?
2: Yeah, I think that you know you know I think the universities have figured out we need to do something we need to engage. I think what's next here is that um part of me thinks that like we need to do a better job of engaging economic community in this part of Arizona It's part of Phoenix, this West Valley. so I think what's next is this I think we, we um we bring in more companies that we think we can grow and and um, have them part of this ecosystem. I think we need to do um, better training. We now have some evidence to say what makes great entrepreneurs and what doesn't make great entrepreneurs. So I think we need to construct that type of training um, and make it relevant, you know, for now. Um, so I think that's that's part one. Here's, here's the big piece, I think. I think that the idea is, okay, do you think we can graduate companies out of here, plant them around, you know, GCU, like circa GCU, within a mile, Right. And now you have this university, which all universities should be the hub, the center of economic growth, right? Because if you're a CEO of a company, like I got to hire 100 people, where am I going to find them? Right. You know what I mean? So um, you have these relationships that you could you know, put in place here. But grow these companies out and keep them within a mile of GCU so that you now, you come to GCU. You go get your education. Maybe you come here to Canyon Ventures and you get some experience, and then you go out to the 20 companies that in a mile that were started, incubated here, started here. I think that's the next move for us to find viable real estate around the university where you can actually plant these companies um, so that GCU has partners that they've helped to, you know, essentially subsidize their success, right? Um, partners where they're students. So if you come to GCU, you basically know I have opportunity at one of these companies. Now, why that's important is because I was thinking about this. What if we don't do this? And I think the risk is, is that, you know, this is our risk for ASU, GCU, NAU, any nonprofit organization who's an educational organization. Like us as citizens of Arizona, we're subsidizing the nonprofits. Yeah. So, I don't I don't want to subsidize you, have your students go to school there and then leave the state and take that tax base that we thought we were empowering to Texas or to California um or to another place. We want to keep them here. So I think the idea is the next step, and I'm glad you asked that. The next step for us is I think that if if we can create this this um circle around GCU of of now, by the way, GCU is in Maryville. It's been a It's been one of those communities that hasn't, you know, it's not, it's, it's there, it's not quite gentrified, but there are some great parts. It's, there's some parts that need to be lifted up. And I think having companies here would do that. Yeah.
0: It's as years ago when I was looking for a house in Northern Virginia, which I ended up not buying because it was very expensive. Even then, this was 20 some years ago. uh, The the realtor, old, you know, crotchety guy, uh, he was like, ah, this is a. Transitional neighborhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's kind of what this is. Yeah, and but you're doing stuff to actually help it. Yeah, I think that
2: I think that if we could do that here, um, make it less of a transitional neighborhood, you know, make it. um, I, I think we're well on our way to doing that. It's not that. It's just that one of the missing pieces to this is that there's just really not any businesses here. So people literally commute to somewhere else to go to work. If we can just put those businesses here, um, have people buying homes here, I'm not sure what the real estate product looks like, um, but that's really the next step to 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 provide. I think um, m- more training for entrepreneurs that's relevant for them. That would be the first piece. So you come in here and you have here. Look, here's the training. Here's how you do. Uh, here's how you pitch for money here's just do that so it's so it's uniform and effective and then as these companies grow up we move them to a space that's um circa the gcu and it, it builds everybody up now my hope is that becomes a model for universities um my hope is that what it is sky song is sort of like that um you know they 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 are they're not necessarily um I don't know if their intent is to grow companies out of SkySong. I think it's maybe just grow SkySong. But either way, like, it doesn't really matter. The same idea is the same. You know, like, we're just going to make companies here, have our students work for them, and have them grow to create an economic
0: base here. Well, I think that that's, I I mean, I think you're setting a model um, and setting a standard that if other universities don't follow, then eventually they're going to, it's, it's the, the system's going to change so much that they're just going to be left out, right? I mean, ultimately. Yeah, I mean that's that's where we started the conversation about
2: the brokenness of higher education, right? right? How do you how do you convince an 18 year old that making a you know a four year investment now it's it's a tough like here here's what I'm seeing now. I think the mo- if you spend more than let's say a year or two years in the classroom. You've now isolated your without engaging in in, in the work, the modern work. How many times have you had to upgrade your software? I mean, things are changing so fast, right? If you've done that, you've now isolated yourself in a den of irrelevancy, right? You're not even, you know what I mean? Like, like even like micros on excel change every month you know what i mean right so you can't have this mentality i'm just going to sit in the classroom i can get a good base you get some fundamentals at some point though you gotta you gotta pull the trigger you gotta get in the game here or else you're irrelevant in the workplace so uh that's what what we have to do now here we're we're trying to make it relevant. We're trying to say, hey, take the take the information get get in the classroom and apply it here right now. So you're not in a den of irrelevancy. But I think higher education is why we started out talking about the the it's broken, right? How can you expect to spend four years in a classroom, go out to the marketplace that's changed the whole time since you've been there in four years? Think about where we were four years ago. How can you expect to be relevant in, in the workplace? Right. I I think that's a broken model. And and we're trying not to uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get students to sort of understand that. Most students graduate GCU in three years. We we try to engage them in, uh, in in getting out into the modern workplace. But I think higher education needs to make that transition or else we're now seeing enrollments down in almost every university, see enrollments down because people are saying, look, why should I pay this money to go to this school when I, I, I'm not, I'm, the highest unemployed um, population right now is recent college grads. Yeah. So why should I do it? Like you want me to graduate, you know, already in the hole to get a job that I'm never going to be able to, you know, pay this off? It's why we have 1.6 trillion dollars in student loan debt. That's another podcast, by the way. That's yeah. a completely <laughs> yeah, other I was podcast.
0: Say, you got we'll have to come have left it back for that. But one. it seems
1: to me also that GCU has tried to be this this beacon in the community that that it serves, both from a from obviously an economic development perspective, but also from a faith perspective. Yeah and i think you see that here because gcu tries to hire you know people in the community yeah. and many of those people who, who get hired their their they're, they're children yeah are able to come here and, and get scholarships yeah um and 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 so flipping this idea of of a university not just being a strictly a learning institution but but an economic development driver yeah, is something new for higher education. That, that's because if you look great. at other universities, I think ASU has has understood that. I think you, the University of Arizona has just come around to that. Because one of the biggest issues with with University of Arizona has been, you know, students come to Tucson and then they leave because the opportunities, from an economic development perspective, just aren't consummate to the education.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's irresponsible for universities to just educate people and have them brain drain happen. I think it's irresponsible. GCU, like, you know, there's detractors for every organization, every institution, but for those who, who would detract from GCU, what they've done is they've come to a community that was in need, right? Um, they've, they've planted their flag, they've, they've bought real estate, they employ, the, you know, our community here, we employ, I think, th- a couple thousand people that work in a community whose kids go to GCU for free. Um, we do community events here. We build homes with Habitat for Humanity. I mean, we're, we are a Christian school. I think we're the largest now uh, Christian school in the country. I think Liberty and us are the largest Christian school. I mean, one of the things I think that, that, that is interesting about GCU is that, you know, like Zorro's son, they're Muslims. Like, you know, they came like, and, you know, we all pray together. It's like no big deal for us. We want the same for them as, you know I mean? We want it for us. So it's not like. We, you know, just because you're not Christian doesn't mean you can't be here. One of the things that GCU is in, like how we show our, you know, uh, Christian faith is that we have chapel on Monday. We close down. You know, if you've never been to a basketball game, that's where we have chapel. We we close down on Mondays, chapel, and like everything shuts down. Like the whole, you know, professors, staff, maintenance people. We all go to chapel together, right? You know, it's like not a, that's our Sunday, so that's been embedded in the community. Um, and I think that universities, all educational institutions, need to see themselves now as economic drivers, not just places where students come, um, you know, pay tuition, go. economic drivers for your community. And, um, and I think there'll be a lot more, there should be a lot more competition for great students at universities because you wanna have a resource for companies to come to to be able to hire those students so they'll stay there and grow your economy. The, the places that I've done that and done that well, I'm from Massachusetts. I grew up right off of Commonwealth Avenue in Massachusetts. You go down Commonwealth Avenue and there's like, you know, you know, Boston College, Boston right. University, Emerson. There's hundreds, literally, I think there's a hundred plus colleges there. Here's the effect that that has though. We have a financial services industry there, Fidelity, um, and others there. We have a a medical industry there because they have resources of well-educated students who come there who want a job. So they stay. So that's the effect. Now, when you look at Arizona, we've, we've really fell, fallen behind in sort of economic growth because we don't have that nexus to a booming economy, which is, um, you know, a well-educated college population. People ask, well, what comes first, the companies or the college, the college Yeah, the the college does like so. Invest in that University of Arizona. I understand why they're having like if you say what is Ariz, what is Tucson's industry? It's got a medical industry there. Why? Because they have a medical school there, and they got a university. Unfortunately, university in a medical school is not like that's not an economy. Right? What I mean, you need to be. You know, there's got to be something else there. So when you when we look at Phoenix, we see the partnerships we have here with ASU, U of A who's come up here and now their medical school is on our downtown campus in, in Phoenix. You start to see now we have the makings of, of an economy and I think COVID has helped us. We have people that want to move here and certainly government Newsom has helped us. Yes. He's one of the best realtors, <laughs> the, the realtor of the year here. For um, So we're starting to see that. And I think, you know, to, to, to this, what's different between this housing boom in Arizona and I think the previous one that was, you know, probably inflated with, with, um, in, with, um, investors is that now we have people moving to Arizona and they're taking their jobs with them. So we're not seeing the disparity between yep. home prices and incomes. We're actually seeing that gap lessen. So I think we're seeing a real economic boom here in the housing market and others where people say, you know what? I want to be in Arizona now. Um, there is some issues with, with tax issues like, you know, referendums. We, we need to do a better job, I think, of understanding what these referendums do to economic growth and what more taxes do for economic growth. So I think we need to understand that and do a better job of sort of, of making sure we're communicating the value of, of having low taxes here. But by and large, I think that ASU, U of A, GCU, um, I think together, um, especially GCU in, in this community we're lifting up this community um we're we're hiring people creating jobs now our our Canyon ventures here hopefully we'll be able to push companies out into the maryville community great companies that you know you think about if you're a company out there and i think the product what i mean the product the real estate product i think eventually we're going to see this we're going to see there'll be condos and like think we have a Kierland is, is a place where you have sort of retail and condos, uh, retail and office space underneath and living space above. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see more and more of that. And I think that's the product that we'll see come to, to this area of town. That type of product where you're living and working. Because if you think about it, we just can't have um, offices here because at 5 o'clock you take your money and you leave our community. Mm-hmm. So right. we've got to have both.
1: No, that's absolutely right. And, that's, and that has to be the model going forward in terms of for, for the economic development piece to, to work properly. I, I
2: think so. I think we have to have we, – we, like COVID – like I was thinking about this the other day. You know, What has COVID really changed? I think it's changed education. For sure. I, I think K through A, college. I, I think it's changed commercial real estate i don't i don't know like we have a building not too far like right over you can see it building 71 it was five thousand people in there there's nobody there now they're all working from home so it's changed that um so at some point you have to ask yourself okay um what has changed what's going to stick and what do i do um and i think that now if we're gonna we're gonna birth companies out of here There has to be a real estate product around GCU, around our community that provides for both residential living with really nice residential living, as well as some office space. I don't know if it's flexible space. I don't know what that looks like, but office space in in that area so that we're not having. We talked about brain drain in the university. We have community brain drain. We have, you know, living in the west side, working in the east side. Right. You don't want to do that because what happens is you see people going to dinners on the on one side of town, and we we've, we've left these this side of town you know vacant mm-hmm. of that that spending right. So we'll need to figure out even like you know Paradise Valley sort of had this problem. So Paradise Valley is this enclave you know in in, in you know Phoenix right where you know it's like there's like they got like there's like four police for every resident right. You know what <laughs> I mean like. But here's one of the challenges they have is like okay so. How are we going to support all the cops in the fire? Like you're just going to go up on our real estate taxes every year? So they needed to figure out an economic base that that would allow for lower taxes for their community to provide the services that they need to provide, like t- trash pickup, police. And how they've done it is with room tax and hotels. So if you look at the premier hotels in Arizona, from on Lincoln Drive, you go from Lincoln from Tatum on in, in Lincoln to Scottsdale in Lincoln. Some of the nicest hotels in the world, frankly, yep. are right there. And they're getting room tax from them. Now, because of COVID, you're not. But you've got, you know, what's Montalusia? Is that what it is on yeah, the one corner? The, um, JD Marriott, like. Uh, and now the new Ritz Carlton. Ritz Carlton at the other that's, end. So that's even company even um, communities that, have, um, that don't have offices there, they've had to figure out a way to embed some type of commercial, you know, um, tax base. To support the services that they want to support, um, and that's really important. I mean, all these things are are so important. And, and, um, and we yeah, get,
1: the term "defund the police" in Paradise <laughs> Valley is is like is a slang.
2: Yeah, and it's <laughs> weird, right? Why would you want to do that? But this gets back to sort of why I wanted to do like why I wanted to be here. There's one of the foundation books I call it that I read. I'm not sure you guys are familiar with. And Chris and I talked about this yesterday. Hernando Soto. Mm-hmm. He he wrote the mystery of capital, um, and which is really he talks about the the, the rights and pr- the rights and protection of private property. I hear kids these days a lot of people talking about socialism and all this sort other of stuff. What what fascinates me, and I've s- since become friends with Hernando Soto. What fats fascinates me about his story is that he he's like five eight. He's a Peruvian economist, right? And he's 70-something years old. He's now running for, for president of Peru. It's amazing. And the Shining Path terrorist group wanted to kill him. In fact, yeah. they blew up his office and killed his secretary, right? And I thought to myself, like, why, why is it that you wanted to—like, why was this guy such a threat? And it occurred to me that the rights and protection of private property are diametrically opposed to socialism and communism. They don't want you, Sean— to own a house or Chris, they right. don't want you to have that because now what happens is you've now taken their power away because if they can control what you have or what you need, then they have all that. That's why like this whole idea. Well, not,
1: well, not only that, I mean, you're right about, about, about property and capitalism, but also the free exercise, you know, the free exercise of your faith. Yeah. Yeah. They don't want any organized religion. So here, they don't want any anyone actually exercising their faith. I mean, so and you see it in in all those countries.
2: And this is what. So hold on a second. So I'm I, this this really like when it, one night like recently I woke up. Part of our part
1: of our tagline here at. at Light beer and dark money is faith, freedom, free enterprise. That's it. Yeah. So
2: and, we want and, to talk about these. Things. And here's the thing: like, I was thinking about this when when I heard like uh, I heard like, oh, Trump got kicked off of Twitter and all these other things. And it, like, occurred to me: like, I woke up, I was like, wait, <gasps> that's it. Like, if I give it to you for free, right? If I've got you hooked on it and I give it to you for free, you have absolutely no control. Yep. So that's what communism is. I'm giving it to you. Now, if I pay for it, right? It's a different story, right? If there's a model where I'm paying for it, but if I get you hooked on it for free, now I get the
1: problem. Social media is a whole different podcast, all by itself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but you see like- But but the parallels are exactly right.
2: But that scared me because I'm like, wow, like we're giving this to you for free, we control you. When we give it to you for free, we control you. Versus I'm willing to pay for that as a consumer, Um, here's what I want. I don't have any control. I don't have any control if you're giving it to me for free. I can't tell you what to do, right? And that's the problem that we have now. And that's this idea of communism. Hey, if I give it to you free, I can take it away from you and I can tell you what to do.
1: Well, you're actually um, kind of describing the difference between like a Facebook as an information source and a LinkedIn as an information source. I I happen to not, I have a Facebook account, but I, I don't use it. I don't even look at it. With or, or even Twitter for that for that matter. I suppose as we move forward with, you know, with this venture, we'll have to have a Twitter account or whatever. Mm-hmm. But LinkedIn, you know, if you really want to get the premier information, you have to pay for it. Yeah, and 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 you're assured that the people who you're interacting with on that platform are real. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, if they are not real, they get they get booted. Yeah, it's so be, is, it, it, yeah. they're not trolling. And if you get trolled, you know you there there's consequences for
2: that. So I'm in my mid fifties. I've been, you know, I've seen all this stuff in it and literally it struck me like, like a thunderbolt. Like I have no control when you give it to me for free. Can you imagine people? I mean, I think I'm experienced, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, And like, I, I, it just occurred to me how little control I have when you give it to me for free, you'll tell me, look, the president of the United States, We're taking this from you. You don't have any control. There's nothing you can do. So as people sort of think through these things, and maybe I think too much about it, right? Maybe I am my, I say that I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I have all these conspiracies (laughs) in my head. But but when I think about these things, um, I have almost zero control when someone says, um, here, take this, have it for free, right? There now, look, we talked about like before, like, you know, you this, become
1: subservient to that free thing. Yep,
2: yeah, that's it. Yeah. And there's Whoever nothing. To you. I have no say. They will take my data. They will say, you know, and there's nothing I can do about it. I I can't even go to a government official and, and complain because they're like, well, what are you complaining about? You're getting it for free, like
1: right? Like what do you want? Like they can say, don't use it anymore. I I have some really dramatic personal examples of that <laughs> in my own life. <laughs> Yeah, it was, so that's with extended family members, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, so it's just um,
2: so this whole idea of GCU, like um, you know, private Christian, affordable, um, you know, building enterprise here in the community, um, lifting people up, um, being willing to to do things that I think a lot of other people wouldn't do. Um, it's really important to me, and I think it's important to the people who who we feel like we're on a mission, you know, that to to do this and to um serve our community in better, more, um, I think, efficient ways, um, and not ask, you know, I think that the, this sort of the 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 most dangerous question you can ask is what's the government doing? I think that's, you know, people would ask me, um, why do you do so much work in the veteran community? How much time I spend and resources and money? And and I say to them, look, you know, you you understand that none of the people who served in the military ever raised their right hand and sworn. will they'll, they'll ask, you know, what's the VA doing? You know, none of them like raised their hand and swore notes to protect and defend the VA. Like none of them did. You know what I mean? What are you going to do? Like they, they, like they serve to protect the constitution in which you live under, right? right. Certainly there's something that you could do. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to be told by the government agency to like, you know what I mean? Like, so that whole idea of what's the government doing scares me. I think that's a really dangerous question because what you've now said is that we're going to turn all of our authority over to you and we want you to fix all our problems. And I think we need to... And GCU has definitely done that. They've sort of turned the tables They're like, hey, we're going to do this. That, that's why um, I talked a little bit about the COVID consortium. That's why it was really important for me to actually be part of that and to help develop it and help, help to be you know, a leader in it. Because I, 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 don't want to rel- I don't want us to say one day, us in Arizona, why couldn't we get you know, masks? And why couldn't we get treatment? Why couldn't we get... I don't want us to say that and, and blame a government because now you're giving them too much authority. You're giving the governor and the, and the, 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 the various people to, who serve in there, that's not their job. Like for their, just keep us safe and pick up the trash. Right. You know what I mean? But the the um, it's us that needs to say, okay, we'll organize this, we're the business leaders, we'll find figure out funding, and then we'll go to you and say, here's what we've created, tell us where it needs to be deployed. We can do that um, rapidly
1: without, you know, we'll, we'll partner with you, but we don't need you to do it. Wasn't it Ronald Reagan who said the nine most frightening words in the English language are, hi, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it's not that,
2: I mean, we both, we've all worked there, they're they're great people, they're servants, you know, they want to, but it's it's not individually, it's sort of when we, when we're relying on the government to actually control things that we should be controlling, that's where it becomes problematic. When we're relying on a government agency or, you know, who come in at nine, leave at five, to solve things that are 24 seven. Um, to solve things that, that others are passionate about, I think that becomes problematic. And I think that we've the, the pendulum has definitely shifted. We're relying way too much on yep. the government to do the things that that we as as business um, leaders in the community, as as just citizens, we're relying on 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 government to do that. I, I I will not. I don't want to subcontract my personal safety. I don't want to subcontract my personal health or my finance. I don't want to subcontract these things to anybody. I want to be responsible for them. And I think that we've made this this idea of, you know, what's the government doing? I think we've made that our default question for for a government who, you know, people are flawed. We're asking a bunch of flawed people yep. to help us. And that's not gonna it's it's not gonna go well. It hasn't, right?
0: Right. Well, the stuff you're doing here at GCU and with the Canyon Ventures is one of those beacons of hope that I've got as I think about how we get through these tumultuous times and how do we kind of right the ship and get people to understand we can't rely on government for everything. I mean, it's, it's coming out of COVID. This is going to be a huge challenge for us because there's been so much government engagement in our lives for, for this last year, um, to unshackle that and unwind that is going to be a challenge. And I think what you're doing here is going to help.
2: Yeah, no, I I hope so. I mean, we'll if everybody's sort of little twist on the wrench, right? We'll we'll do that, and uh, we'll see. We'll continue to do the work here. We'll continue to find good companies, bring them in, get our students hired. We'll tell them the truth about sort of economics and you know, rights and protection of private property and what that means. We'll we'll continue to do that, and then they're going to have to go out to the real world and 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 test those test those theories and defend them if they believe it's true. And that's that's all we can do here. Um, hopefully they'll be able to do that and do it well, and they'll become leaders in their community. Um, you know, that's the idea. Hopefully we can. I mean, but um, the, we spent a lot of time here with them, and we'll see what happens.
1: Well, thanks, Robert, for for joining us on our on our inaugural, um, you know, maiden voyage. Maiden yeah. voyage as as, <laughs> as we build the airplane while flying down the runway. It's awesome. You guys. But, are but great. also, thanks so much for for hosting us here. I mean, this yeah. is what we want to do. Also, is is highlight. The work that you're doing here um have your students leaders in here uh to talk with us about what they're what they're doing have some of the other uh faculty leaders mm-hmm. here uh, including kevin talk about what he's trying to accomplish in addition to talking about you know the issues of the day surrounding uh, the three greatest issues and and was our faith freedom and free
2: enterprise yeah thank you guys for, for i'm really proud to be here with you guys really awesome that you guys are here with us at gcu so Anytime, pleasure to be here, and hopefully we'll. Um, I, I know we'll do this again. Have a great You're time. You're going to be it. a regular guest. Yeah, thank yeah. you, guys. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. <laughs>